You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 261 of the Pemcron Warhammer podcast, everybody. Thank you for being here, and thank you for clicking on that link. I'd like everyone to say hi to our new AI producer. Hey, Foxy Sinclair. Hey, baby. I'm excited for this episode. Why is that? Because I get to flirt with Patreon patron Grendel. All right, don't give away too much just yet. We've got the Tesseract mailbox with Grendel, Patreon patron, writing in, and he is... Uh, discussing the Biovore and Pyrovore, what he thinks of it. And we also have a Want That or Want That Not for the Trug, Trogoth King for Age of Sigmar. And then we've also got the Real Talk with the Pemcron, something that's been in the works for a while. Should you subscribe to White Dwarf? What does it have in it routinely? What does it do well? What does it do poorly? Is the price too high, too low? Whatever, uh, that's what we cover. So that's basically the whole episode. As always, we're brought to you by GameMat.eu for uh, pre-painted resin terrain, neoprene mats, STL files, the whole shebang. Event 10 gives you 10% off. And also Panhandle3d.etsy.com. Uh, PH3D 15 off is 15% off there for 3D printed terrain and um, custom uh, dice trays and um, coffee mugs and combat gauges and all that sort of stuff, laser cut stuff. And um, they've been a big supporter of Shorehammer. Um, so is GameMat.eu, actually. But uh, they both support the show, and we're very happy for it. So what have I been up to? Well, I can finally stick a fork in settlement mode. It's been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm finally done. I finished my final edit of it and ordered my final test copy. Um, and that's really what I've been doing uh, morning and night before and after work. I've been working on Brutality to edit this 100 and some pages. I think it's 100 pages even. 100 page supplement. Very excited about it. What have I done hobby-wise? Um, I am part of a super cheap wargaming uh, group on Facebook. And someone said that because the Buzz Lightyear movie called Lightyear that came out earlier this year bombed so bad that they've got action figures very, very cheap. And what are you talking about, Pimpcron? I hear some of you saying, well, one of the sets is like roughly 28 millimeter, to be honest with you. Their miniatures are slightly bigger than 28 millimeter, and uh, but they come with a big ship. And the ship has been marked down from like $60 all the way down to like $12. So someone's like, hey, this is on Amazon. It's really cheap because that movie sucked. So I went on there and I bought one of them because I thought, you know what, this would be a perfect landing craft for Brutal Space when we do ground missions. So I'm painting it up like Sentinels of Order, and it's um it's red and white, and it's coming off really nice. It's probably two feet long. It's quite large, but compared to the miniatures, it would be like a small craft. It would be like a scout ship, right, with a crew of like five, six people. I also took a chance and bought a set of two Buzz Lightyear... Uh, like fighters this is it's a set of two of them now they ended up being a little too small for 28 millimeters but i was able to save one of them my daughter got the other one because i just had no use for it but i was able to save one of them and make it an extremely small craft for the animus covenant and um, because they they have uh basically like psionic powers and in the lore, in the rulebook, it even says that they use really, really small one-man um, ships that will attach to larger ships 
and they can basically reach through the wall and like give people aneurysms and stuff. And that's part of the ways they fight is like very tiny single man craft that are hard to shoot and hard to, you know, track and things like that. And um, so this one is like exactly the size for one person to be fairly cramped. And um, I think that's going to actually work out pretty well. So now I've got two ships. I already had a pseudo Star Trek shuttlecraft for my um, Commonwealth, which is essentially the Federation from Star Trek. And uh, I already have a pseudo shuttlecraft from that. So that means three landing craft. And that's actually pretty exciting. This big ship also came with a, um, a drop pod. So I'm going to end up making that drop pod a uh, it's just a single person drop pod, but it is to a nice scale. It would hold one space marine, basically. And I'm going to probably build like a base for it out of, um, you know, like rocks and stuff like that and paint it and have it tilted to the side like it just landed. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that actually will be pretty neat. And um, like I said, it's like 12 bucks. You cannot beat that. This week at the club, I played my friend David in Brutal Space again. And uh, we play tested. Oh, no, we actually played Brutality, not Brutal Space. And we were play testing some settlement mode missions. And the first one, he beat me uh, by one point, And the second one, I beat him by two points. But either way, they were very, very close games. And they're both, like, very narrative, etc. So they, they were pretty fun. And um, one of them had stealth mechanics where he had to, like, infiltrate and try to steal from our base. He had a goblin warband. And it was pretty fun. So it, it turned out pretty well and uh, just encourages me even more with the settlement mode. So let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And for the Tesseract mailbox, we have a letter from Patreon patron, Badass Cryptech Grendel. And he writes, Hail, O glorious one. There was both joy and despair from this week's holy transmission. I am saddened that not one of your loyal followers had reached out to you to communicate I have decided to remedy this with a correspondence of my own. You know what, Grendel? First, it's pr pr 3D printed miniatures for me for my birthday. And second, now you're writing in and saving the day. What a guy. What a guy. Anyway, he continues. I wanted to give you, oh great overlord, my humble opinion of the newest version of the vile Xeno species of biovores and pyrovores. Now, if you'll recall last week, I was not a fan of the new designs because I just don't feel like they look organic. He writes, This drastic departure from previous versions of these creatures unnerve me. The body of the creature is similar to the latest Psychophage unit that was released earlier this year, as well as the Biotitan Hierophant. As you stated, this spider-like look fits in with the Fantasy Goblin army more than the Vicious Tyranids. And I stand by that, Grendel. As you have stated, that placement of the biocanon on these creatures seems out of place. I have had all previous forms of the bio biovore and pyrovore, and I was happy with the last version of each, but it since, but since they were both made from fine cast, I needed an update. Each one of these previous versions had the traditional look and feel of a biocannon coming out of the body of the creature that we have seen on the Exocrine and Scytheridol. The new look is more like a turret attached to a tank instead of a growth on a creature. Grendel, I could not agree more. Just It just looks out of place. It's just a, an abomination, and it makes God cry. He continues, I find the placement silly looking, and that if on a living being there is no support muscles to hold it up, let alone aim and fire it, I think they could have done better. 
That being said, I do plan on getting at least one of each for my specimen cabinet. Grendel, don't do that! I have all the others, so I will need these to complete the set. Yeah, I guess you're right. Thank you for gracing me with your time, and I look forward to your next holy transmission. Cryptech Grendel, loser of all Shorehammer events. P.S. Your producer fit in better this week, so maybe she will find her place in the dynasty after all. Aw, did you hear that, Foxy Sinclair? Oh, Grendel, you sexy bitch. Thank you for the kind words. Jeez, you really got a reaction out of Foxy there. So, what else does he say? At the end of it, he writes, P.P.S. Puppets War also does pyrovores and biovores that look like more traditional Tyranid, if you were wondering. Yeah, after seeing your barb gaunts that you sent me, Grendel, uh, I'm going to have to take a look at them, because I definitely, I've always been a fan of the pyrovore and the biovore, and I agree with you that they look awesome, and they look like the Exocrine, and that's the theme they have going, and I, I've i never had a pyrovore, actually, but I did have multiple biovores. I had the metal ones all the way up to the resin, uh, the fine cast ones, but I don't see myself getting these, so I might actually take a look at the Puppets War uh version because if if they're more i can't believe the third party is more like true to the gw style than gw has been i don't i don't get that and especially being tyranids like you said it looks more like a turret on top of a vehicle versus a thing that's actually growing out of or biologically attached to a creature i mean literally i'm trying to think short of like a scorpion that has a tail with the spike on the end of it are there, you know what, Foxy, could you look up on the internet and see if there's any creatures that have a turret similar to the pyrovore or biovore? Searching. My query has found only one result. Really? Your mother. Oh. Apologies. I was searching for ratchet hose. Oh my god. No, no creatures that look stupid like those models. Okay, god, she is on a roll today. Grendel, you got her all riled up. Anyway, even an AI can see that this is stupid. Anyway, thank you for writing in, Grendel. I greatly appreciate it. And you can find me at pimpcron.gmail.com, facebook.com slash pimpcron, or Instagram at pimpcron with only one P. And uh, keep the letters flowing, guys, because if you don't write in, then guess what? We don't have letters, okay? I am holding this entire show hostage for communique from you guys, okay? Want that, or want that not? On this edition of Want That or Want That Not, we are covering Dawnbringers, Gloomspite Gits, Trug's Great Trog Herd. Do any of those words mean literally anything to any of you? Probably not. So, in the Dawnbringers, Gloomspite Gits, Trug's Great Trog Herd, otherwise known as the DGGTGT, uh, it's $150. It's $150. And what do you get for your $150? Well, you get Trug, the Trogoth King. And then you also get six Trogoth, uh, rock gut, rock gut Trogoths, right? As you may or may not recall, I am, I built an army of just Trogoths, the Fellwater Trogoths, the rock gut Trogoths, and all that. And like many of my projects, they kind of fell to the wayside, and I've never played with them yet. I have probably 700 points painted or something, and I refuse to paint them until I uh, 
I mean, I refuse to play them until I have them painted. So I do not have them, uh, have not played them yet. But they are coming out with Trug, who is the Trugoff King. And he looks, how do I even say this? He's got the arms of the normal Fellwater Trogoth, whatever. Man, Dankhold Trogoth, there you go. The Dankhold Trogoth, he has very similar hands to that, where his arms are kind of straight, and then the wrists are really wide, and they're almost as wide as the hand. It's a very cartoony look, but I'm liking it. And he's covered in, uh, like, bumps and all these, like, scarification rituals, some of them even chaos symbols and stuff, which is interesting. And he's got a beard, and he's got these big antler things, which I like. I don't know exactly why he has antlers, but I do do like it. I definitely do. And his hammer is some sort of, like, shell, like a big conch shell, which is kind of cool. And um, he's got some sort of shrine stuck to his back, and there's, like, vines, or it might be his horns growing, wrapping around them, and he's got this big trog off grind on his back which to be honest i think is actually pretty cool i i like this model quite a bit so according to their website he's the mightiest of all trogoths okay he towers he's a towering mass of strength and ill temper he carries atop his back an arcane lay stone of ancient design which fuels his already formidable physical might with unpredictable bursts of elemental energy in his wake follows a trog herd of unmatched size, shaking the very realms as they wander from ley line to ley line, wrecking everything in their wake. So, I definitely want that for this model. But the problem is, is that this is $150 and he's a set with six other models. Well, I have already purchased and assembled and mostly painted, like, enough rock gut trogoths. I've got three full units of them, which I think is nine each. I've got like a lot of rock gut trogoths and then they release this asshole and he's part of the box and I don't really need the box. I just want this guy. Now, $150 does not seem too bad for this. Um, $150. I think the trogoths are 60 each. So then that only makes him like 20 bucks, which is not bad at all. But I already I, I don't need those models is the problem. So instead of being able to order this from my local store, I'm going to have to order it secondhand online or something because it's just I am not going to I'm not going to buy the whole box and then try to have to sell the trogoths off or whatever, because I really don't want this many trogoths. I have um actually I think it might be two full squads. I think I have two full squads of nine trogoths and I mean, 18 trogoths. That's plenty. You don't need any more than that. And uh, that's this is a little disappointing. I'm hoping that they end up uh, releasing him separately. Although, admittedly, at this juncture, they're only charging like 30 bucks for him. So that's actually pretty darn cheap. They're they're giving you roughly 30 to 45 dollars off because the Dankhold Trogoth is 75 um, and he's another leader. So I'm happy that they're supporting the Trogoths. I really do like the Trogoths, obviously, because I made a whole army out of them. And this actually kind of inspires me to start working on them again, because I do have quite a few of them painted. I just never finished it, and I don't like to play with things that are not painted. So um, anyway, this is definitely a want that for me, but only if they release him separately. Now, for everyone else, I think the Rocket Trogoths are awesome kits. They've got a ton of customization. They're pretty easy to build. I like them a lot. They've got a lot of character. But I just personally don't need any more. 
but ultimately it is a want that for me. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. In this edition of the Real Talk with the Pentcron, I wanted to bring up the question, should you subscribe to White Dwarf magazine? As you know, White Dwarf is dedicated to only Games Workshop product, whether it be Lord of the Rings, Blood Bowl, 40K, Warcry, Age of Sigmar, Necromunda, all those things. And I had a unique ability uh, when our local store closed. We moved to another store. I've probably mentioned that. Our local store closed. They had a bunch of back issues of White Dwarf. So what I've been able to do is, in less than a year, read up on about 14 issues of White Dwarf um, from a couple different years, like in the last two years, basically. And um, so it wasn't every single episode, uh, issue from one single year. But uh, I did a similar thing on uh, War Games Illustrated uh, probably a year ago, eight months ago, something like that. Maybe it was a year and a half ago. God knows. Time doesn't. Time has no meaning anymore for me. So I have no idea. But what can you expect out of White Dwarf? And is it worth your time? Is it worth the cover price? Uh, it's $11 in the U.S., which is actually, if you're getting it from your local store, that's cheaper than most magazine subscriptions. And, um, you know, what, is it worth your time should you read it? So first off, what can you expect out of White Dwarf? Well, first off, White Dwarf very frequently uh, didn't seem to be every single issue, but they very frequently have featured paint jobs from readers. So they submit their like their special Stormcast Eternal paint jobs or Adeptus Sororitas or their Blood Bowl or whatever. And some of them are very, very highly detailed. Um, you know, some of them are more uh, tabletop standard or whatever, but they're all very good paint jobs. And a lot of times they have completely different takes on things compared to the normal schemes from GW. And that, personally, was always one of my favorite parts of the magazines that I saw. Now, there's also an awful lot of lore in these things. Um, they will have short stories, they'll have little um, flash fiction, things like that, set on a particular date and time. And it goes for typically Age of Sigmar or 40k. They don't do as much for Necromunda or whatever. And um, I do not read those at all. I mean, I'm sure they're probably good or whatever, but I'm not a lore person, so that doesn't interest me at all in the very least. So I really can't speak to any of those because I just, I don't know why I love, a lot of you guys love lore and you're like, oh, I read all the novels and all this stuff. I've read like three or four 40K or Age of Sigmar novels ever. I think I read three 40K and one Age of Sigmar or something like that. And just, it was fine. It was perfectly serviceable. But it wasn't really up my alley. I don't know why, maybe because I have brutality and other things to take up my my imagination. Um, another thing that you can frequently expect in White Dwarf is they do a lot of supplements. If they're doing an FAQ or an errata for a codex, it's got all that stuff in there. Um, a lot of times they'll do essentially expansions for a codex when, let's say, your rule book is really old. Um, like I believe they did this for Caradron Overlords before they got their newest book where they gave you some things, or actually I know they did it with Lizardmen too. They gave you some things that were part of AOS 3.0 when you did not yet have an AOS 3.0 codex. So your battle tactics and things like that. And that is super helpful. If you recall during the last tournament I did, which was two years ago, I, um, used the Crusher Stampede and that was out of White Dwarf. And it was a special formation. It gives you special boosts if you build it a certain way, etc. So those are always fun, to be honest. I think um, I would much rather have things in print than not have them in print. 
So if I'm going to use Crusher Stampede, like, for instance, I bought that magazine because I would much rather have it in print. So that is extremely helpful, and it's better than just some PDF errata somewhere. I think I'll touch more on this in a minute, but a lot of their studio magazine employees, or whatever you want to call them, their magazine staff, do a lot of custom war bands for like Necromunda or Kill Team or whatever. And um, a lot of times if they did anything special like kit bashing or paint jobs, they'll show you step by step exactly what the paint job was like or what they used. Oh, I use these bits from this box and I use the weapons from this box, etc. to make these kit bashes. And that is 100% one of my favorite parts of the magazine is especially when they when you can actually see the unpainted model with the green stuff and, you know, sometimes even a metal bit here or there that they put on there. And I absolutely love that. So I think that's a, a one of the major pluses for this magazine. And while I'm talking about it, I guess I'll mention it right now. Their staff does a lot of stuff that I think is pretty darn cool. They have um, like a Tale of Four Warlords, it's called, and they'll be doing either Age of Sigmar or they'll do 40k. And they'll do a whole campaign using, I think it's Crusade rolls, I don't recall, but they do a whole campaign where their people are, um, you know, leveling up and they've got like, um, they make a custom character for it and uh, just stuff like that is pretty cool. They make their own dynasties if it's Necron or they make their own chapters or just whatever. And uh, they usually have some lore to it and they kind of try to add a narrative flavor to the whole campaign. It's not just, oh, we played mission number two out of the rule book and this is what happened. They obviously have excellent pictures, which is, I always love the pictures of the models and the battlefields and stuff. And Games Workshop has a fantastic photography department because all their stuff is so well lit. It's so well uh, painted and it just, it just looks so good. So all of that visual eye candy stuff is really what's, what's exciting for me personally. And I also, a lot, a lot of times they'll do a mission and then afterwards they'll ask the two participants, okay, who do you think the MVP unit of the game was, you know, and where do you think it all went wrong for you? What decision do you think was a mistake or whatever? And it, I'm sure it's probably manufactured because that's the sort of thing, you know, that they're trying to push, but the staff members do seem to be having fun, at least. I don't know if that's like just scripted or what, but they do seem to be having a lot of fun and they get to paint their own custom, uh, you know, kill teams or Necromunda or whatever. So that seems like a lot of fun. And overall, whether or not it's scripted or not, there's no way to tell, but it does give an overall sense of fun and creativity and camaraderie in this magazine. And that's another definite plus for the magazine. Almost every single magazine also has uh, tutorials on how to paint things. And they'll be like, oh, this is how I achieved this. And I know I spoke about people's individual warbands or whatever, but they also go over just the generic paint schemes of, okay, here's how to make an ultramarine look really good or an orc or whatever. And um, I think those are okay. I think they do a perfectly good job of it. It doesn't really interest me because I'm not going to match that paint job and I don't paint to anywhere near their level. But it is interesting sometimes to find out exactly how they got that shade or or whatever. I'm much more into the kit bashing side of that. Also, a lot of the magazines have um, like special missions that are kind of like mini games. Occasionally, they'll even include some sort of mini game where it's like, you know, help the grot find the ammo case or whatever. And it's just goofy stuff, but it's actually quite fun. A lot of them reminded me of um, I think it was sixth or seventh edition. There was a mission in the starter set where there was a rogue hell brute and 
you had to go up there and essentially like turn him off from behind. There was like a an off button. And it was just obviously it wasn't entirely balanced, but it was a lot of fun. And a lot of those they do manage to put a lot more flavor and creativity in it than a lot of their generic stuff, like in the rule book, the core bo- core rule book or whatever. A lot of those are kind of sterile, but these have a lot more flavor to them, and they do really cater to the narrative people. Uh, another thing that the magazines have that are really interesting is they often do have previews of miniatures. Just like they do the leaks online or whatever, they hi- have highly uh, focused, pretty pictures of models that are going to be released soon or that were just released. And um, that's that's really cool. Like I said, all the eye candy stuff really appear, appeals to me more than the fiction or, or whatever. And um, it's fun to follow along their campaigns, like I said, the staff members have and see who wins out at the end. They also have stuff that tries to encourage people to stick with the hobby. So they've got like this bingo card they fill out. And like each month they have to fill out. Well, actually they can fill out more than one, but they it's like, Paint a hero, okay? And that might be on the card once or you know two or three times, whatever. So if they paint more than one hero that month, then they can fill out more of them. And then, uh, of course, I don't, really, I don't really remember what they get for filling out the bingo card because I remember some people have, like, three of them filled out already for the year. Like, they've already gotten bingo three times. I don't recall what the actual benefit of that was. Could just be bragging rights. I don't recall. So you might be saying, Pemcron, all you're saying is positives about this magazine. Are there any drawbacks to this magazine? I mean, to be honest, it's a very well put together magazine. I'm no GW fanboy or anything like that, but the photography is fantastic. The creativity is very good. Um, They seem like they're having fun at their job, which is very important to keep the magazine lively and whatever. And they do have a lot of information in there, such as the updates and all that, that's very helpful. So I truly have no complaints about this magazine. I really can't tell you, even the $11, like I, I typically, you know, balk at that. But honestly, most magazines now are $16, $20 a month. It's like ridiculous. And these, these are 11 So, I mean, I can't even really fault that, to be honest with you. Uh, apparently they weren't super popular at my game store. I don't know how popular White Dwarf is in general, but um, when when the store closed, I got a bunch of them for cheap because um, I certainly didn't have to pay $11 a piece for them. But I also don't really see myself subscribing to this. When I talked about War Games Illustrated, I said that, you know, their pictures were good. Not as Not GW good. Actually, GW has better photography than they do. But they focused more on like historicals and stuff like that. And they didn't cover any GW Mantic, any of the big companies. They only covered the smaller like metal miniatures. And that was cool. And that was fine. And they had some neat scenarios and stuff like that in there. But at the end of the, get- end of the day, they did almost no fantasy, almost no sci-fi at all. It was all historical stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I would like more variety. Why don't you make a magazine that's got historical and sci-fi and fantasy and whatever? I would like to see a whole you know, smorgasbord of different ideas and, and themes. Well, they don't really do that. So that was one of my main drawbacks from them, is that if you're not really into historicals, well, you're tough nuggies on that. Well, Games Workshop and the White Dwarf is very, very similar to that. They have no outside ads. And I talked to um, Alan Merritt before about that, and he said that there was no need to. 
by the time that they fought with all the advertisers and got their money and all that, they realized, you know what? Why don't we just support this ourselves with the ticket price, you know, the cover price, and just be done with it, and we don't have to shill anybody else's stuff, and that's what they did. Well, apparently it's worked out for them, uh, because there's not a single ad in here for literally any other company, and um, it's all just Games Workshop stuff. Just like War Games Illustrated's all historical, this is only Games Workshop. So if you are a 100% dyed in the wool, you bleed yellow and red Games Workshop fanboy, well, yes, you will absolutely adore this magazine, and there's no reason for you to buy literally any other magazine. But if you are like me, and you like different games, and yes, of course I like Warhammer, but I also like, you know, brutality and third-party miniatures and RPGs and all of that, I have yet to find a magazine that actually encompasses all of that. And I am not such a fanboy that I would be willing to get a subscription to this magazine. Now, did I enjoy my time reading it? Absolutely. Th these magazines are actually quite good. They're very high quality. They're very professional. This isn't some little fan magazine that's been, you know, stapled together. No, this is a, a legitimately good magazine. And I think they're like 100 pages or something. They're... Oh, I got one right next to me. 144 pages. So... I mean, these things are hefty. For $11, I mean, that's that's pretty darn good, to be honest with you. So overall, my verdict is an extremely high-quality magazine that is definitely worth it for the moderate to fanatical GW customer, and especially people that like lore. For me, I am certainly a GW fan, but not so much that I will be getting this magazine and subscribing to it. If I can get some cheap, then I'll be happy to, to buy them like I did. But other than that, it's not really up my alley so much because I've slightly drifted farther and farther away from being the GW fanboy. I've discovered there's so many other games out there. And even though Warhammer is my main game, Age of Sigmar and 40k, I, I don't want to say get bored with it, but it doesn't hold my interest as much as a magazine that were to cover all the stuff, you know, if they covered, I wish they would cover Games Workshop and Mantic and, you know, Perry Miniatures and all of the stuff, but I have not yet found one. So if you guys know of a Wargaming magazine that actually covers a bunch of different topics, please send me an email at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or Instagram at pimpcron with one P. And I would appreciate it because I have been searching for quite some time for a magazine that covers everything. So all in all, this is a fantastic magazine. I've got no complaints. Thank you for listening to this show. I love you all, and I will see you next week. Thank you to panhandle3d.com. Uh, I'm sorry, panhandle3d.etsy.com for supporting the show, as well as gamemat.eu and my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, mm -mm -mm, delicious Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week.